Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21. And this is dealing with look, I can't, I always write the title after the episode, and I can just tell you right now that I'm not quite sure what I'm going to title this episode because there's just a lot of random things that I'm going to be talking about. Yes, I'm talking about dealing with narcissists, but I'm also talking about dealing with generally toxic people in your life. And then I am going to touch on abusive relationships because I think that's very important. And I think that you kind of, there's such a gray area and you can't have one without the other. So before we do all of that, before we dive deep into a pretty deep, intense podcast, as usual, when do I not get deep? Even on the lighthearted ones, I end up getting fucking deep. Um, Quick recap off my week, guys, I have changed my hair color. Now, this is a huge deal If you saw me on the street, you'd be like, babe, you've literally gone from black to dark brown. Come the fuck down. Stop talking about this. But I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it because I'm very excited and I love my brown hair and I'm just thrilled with how it turned out. It's probably, I'm probably going to go lighter maybe another two times in the span of the next six months, but I'm thrilled. It feels amazing. looks amazing. It's, you know, a new flex for me and I love change and I am very aware that a few months ago I was talking about how I shouldn't be going lighter because it fucks my hair and I need to stay with black hair. But like I always say, I don't often like to speak for my future self. So there I was speaking for my future self, kind of lol. I am now going lighter, so hilarious. Anyway, if you've seen um, the shorts for Jennifer Lopez and um, the Maluma video clip, then you'll understand why one will want to go lighter. Little disclaimer, I'm not going nowhere near that light. But anyway, you just have to understand that Jennifer Lopez's, you know, like spirit lives inside me. So hence wanting to go a little bit lighter just to channel that a little bit more. Anyway, we're going to now cover, before I obviously go into our topics of the podcast, of course, my fun brain facts and myths. I just wanted to, this one's going to be not too long. It's going to be short and sweet, but still I've what I find quite interesting. And it's to talk about the concept of fat in the brain. So your brain has a lot of fucking fat in it. There is, I mean, the studies are a bit different. There are some studies that say it's 60%, some studies that say 70%. It's a bit all over the place when you look at like specific percentage of fat in the brain. But I can say that there is a lot and it's the white matter in your brain. They talk about gray matter and white matter, not to mention the fact that there's obviously a lot of blood Our brains are extremely vascular. So side note, when people talk about vascular health and cardiovascular health, often you're thinking about your heart, which is great. Obviously, we want a fucking healthy heart. But what we don't talk about, and I think it's super important to talk about, is that if you've got a healthy heart, you might be thinking, well, my heart's fine. I don't need to be exercising that much. I don't need to be doing all this stuff for my heart health because it's fine. But vascular is talking about everything that's got to do with your blood vessels and Um, and arteries and all of that. So the brain is extremely vascular. And if you have a strong vascular network in your brain, you're less likely to have degeneration in your brain. There is a big correlation between vascular health and um, brain health. So if you're thinking about keeping those blood vessels strong in your brain, you have to maintain a healthy, you know, vascular system. And that comes from training whether it's intense or, you know, endurance, that kind of style of training. You can do hit, you can do running. There's kind of different studies that support different kinds of training. So my advice to you is kind of have a bit of a holistic approach to your training. Don't just stick to absolutely one thing. You can have your favorite thing, but kind of look at it with a nice broad approach like I do 
you know, I've got the gym, I do reformer, I do running and then I do HIIT training. So it's kind of a bit spread out. So that's kind of the ideal way if you can kind of change it up a bit would be ideal for the brain. So that's super important. But we're talking about fat in the brain. Now, your brains are comprised of obviously neurons then they've got glial cells. So glial cells are kind of the scaffolding and the supporting cells to the neurons. They do a whole lot of things for the neuron cells, which so the neurons are the ones that like um, transmit information and signals. The glial cells are extremely supportive and just as important as a neuron. It's impossible to have a neuron without the network of glial cells. And it's 10 glial cells to every one neuron in the brain. So you can imagine how many fucking glial cells they are. Those glial cells are split up into four main categories, but I'm just going to be talking about one particular kind of glial cell and it's called the oligodendrocyte. And this glial cell produces something called myelin. And myelin is a fatty kind of sheath that wraps around the axon, which is the the conduction pathway from one neuron to another neuron. So one cell to another cell, the signal goes down something called an axon. Now that axon needs to be wrapped in something called myelin um, and it's called the myelin sheath. So the, the more myelin that you can have wrapped around that axon and it's kind of in nodes, so you've got like a, a thing of myelin wrapped around and you've got a gap, then you've got another thing of myelin wrapped around and a gap and that's kind of how it goes. The more myelin that you have around those axons, the faster the conduction speed, the healthier the conduction speed. There's a lot of neurological diseases where your immune system is going to attack your myelin production and that's where you get a lot of problems like motor problems and things like that because there's not enough fat in the brain. So MS is one of those diseases where the myelin is attacked um, among other things that happens but the myelin in the brain is attacked. So if you don't have fat in your brain, you literally lose function in the area where the fat has been depleted from. So the importance of fat is huge. Now, what kinds of fats do you want to be eating? Because obviously you need fat in your diet. If you're trying to cut out fat in your diet, that's you're being a fucking clown and stop doing that. You need the good fats in your diet. Obviously, omega-3s are very, very good. But even saturated fats have been found, found to be good for the brain. There's a lot of studies now that are backing saturated fats. What you don't want are trans fats and those kinds of like you know, fucked up, burnt, deep fried fats, all that kind of shit. That's not what you want. But there are a lot of studies now that are showing that cholesterol and saturated fats like butter and all of that are actually really good for the brain. As well as, of course, you know, you've got your healthy oils and things like that. You've got your olive oil, your avocados, your coconut oil, all of that, that's also quite supportive for the brain structures. So there's a lot of studies going on. You're going to find that there's a bit of conflicting studies here and there, but one of uh, quite a big study did find that there was a big correlation with having high fat diets as far as, you know, these saturated and, you know, the omega-3 fats having a high fat diet correlated highly with more brain health and less degeneration. So still kind of a lot of studies still going on about that, but we can be sure to say that you definitely need fat in your diet 100% and butter is good for you. So those people that change butter for margarine, stop doing that immediately. If you don't like butter, change it for olive oil, but don't like you need to replace a fat for another good fat, not some bullshit like fucking margarine, who the fuck invented that shit? Don't even get me started. Just eat butter. Just fucking... Anyway, 
I'm done with ranting. As you know, I get very carried away on my rants. And butter is something I'm very passionate about. Have you seen me eat croissants? Those things are pure butter. Just, you know, the, the loves of my life. Anyway, it's not about that. It's not about butter, this episode. So that's the fun fact about the brain, the importance of fat, the myelin sheath, the fact that you've got all these glial cells. So I hope you've learned some fun facts about the brain today. Now, let's do this. Okay, so today is kind of going to be a follow-on Today's episode is kind of going to be a bit of a follow-on from last week's episode. Now, last week, I specifically spoke about narcissists in particular. Today, I am going to be covering, yes, narcissists, but also just toxic people in general because there is a difference and you want to be aware of that. One is an actual personality disorder and one might be just someone who's insecure or just being mean for the sake of it. Both Obviously not ideal, but they are different and I do want you to be able to kind of identify because you don't also want to be labeling every person that you deem mean or toxic in your life as, oh, that person's got narcissistic personality disorder. That's not really what it is. So you do want to kind of know who you're dealing with and why because there are differences in how you deal with certain people. For example, people with narcissistic personality disorder, it's very unlikely for them to ever change. However, someone that might just be toxic because they're not very nice or extremely insecure so they make themselves feel better by always putting you down, they actually can change and there is a lot that can be done for people like that. However, that's not what I'm talking about today. It is not your responsibility to change anyone, whether they're potentially unchangeable or quite malleable. That's not your role on earth to come here and change people that are making your life a misery. But what I am going to be talking about is how to deal with people who are either narcissistic or toxic. I'm also going to be talking about, I had someone DM me uh, yesterday, I think it was, asking me what, how narcissism kind of where it stems from and how it begins and all of that. So I'm going to be talking about that at the very beginning of, you know, before I go into this whole spiel. But then I'm also going to be talking about, yeah, how you deal with these people in your life. Now, before we dive in, let's get very, very, very clear. When I talk about having a toxic person in your life that you just have to deal with, I'm talking about very specific scenarios. I'm talking about if you are in a career, not a part-time job, I'm sorry that doesn't count, not a part-time job where you could get another job somewhere else. I'm talking about an actual career where you've taken, you know, huge amount of work or effort to get to where you are. So it's not a situation that you can be like, mm, my boss is toxic, I'm just going to leave. You know, there's, I understand that there's certain career paths that have, you know, you've, it's taken blood, sweat and tears to get where you are. And it's not just as easy as, you know, quitting and going somewhere else and getting the same position. So I'm talking about maybe someone that you work with in that specific scenario. I'm talking about an ex where you both have children. That would be, you know, someone that you literally can't cut out of your life. If you listen to the last episode, then you'd know that the concept of you needing to keep your ex in your life, even if you share the same friendship group is in my opinion, bullshit, you can still cut them out. I'm talking about someone you cannot cut out. So the father or the mother of your children, that's one. Um, and then of course, certain relatives, because again, like I said, um, you, there are relatives that you can cut out of your life, but I understand that you might be living in a household right now and you don't have the financial means to move out and you're living with a relative who is very toxic or you might really love one parent 
but the other parent is toxic or an auntie, but the uncle is toxic. So I understand that that's someone you can't 100% cut out of your life and you will have to deal with them in some way, shape or form. So I do want to make it very clear. I do have no problem with cutting out relatives if they are toxic in your life. There is no reason why you should have someone in your life, if they are making your life difficult, if they are trying to make you feel less of who you are, if they are fucking roadblock, if they are a speed bump, if they are a hurdle, you know, I'm sure there's many really creative, insulting words that we can come up with and maybe we can do like a little a little competition on my Facebook group of what's really great insulting words to use for people that are basically a speed bump in your road to self-love. Those people, they just don't deserve a time slot in your life I don't care how connected they are I just don't care end of story there's nothing you can say to me that will that will convince me that just because someone is a blood relative they deserve airtime in your life that's not an entitlement that people are just entitled to that's something that you know maybe they didn't have to earn in the first place because you were born into each other's lives or when you started dating, it was all great. But it's something that you have to work to keep. Anyone should. If you respect any of the relationships in your life, you should be working to keep it healthy and to keep it, you know, going very well. Okay, so let's talk about where narcissistic personality disorder stems from. Now, remember, I did go through the breakdown of what they are. So this is someone that's got an exaggerated sense of self, sense of entitlement. They need admiration all the time. They're, you know, really preoccupied with like this fantasy that they're really either powerful or successful. They love being in a position of power. Like that to them is like the ultimate dream and goal Um, or being the most beautiful or good looking person. Um, They need to be superior They'll take over any conversation and make the other people feel smaller or feel shitter about themselves. They're arrogant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we all know that. Now, where does it stem from? For some reason, it is more common in males than it is in females. However, it is across across both genders. And it often does begin in like childhood or it's more noticeable in early teens however it's not diagnosed as narcissistic personality disorder until um, they are over 18 that happens with a lot of personality disorders you'll notice that a diagnosis isn't really made not all of them but a lot of the diagnosis is not going to be made until they are an adult that goes for you know psychopaths and sociopaths and all of that you can't actually diagnose someone as a psychopath or a sociopath prior to the age of 18 because they're still in those formative years and there's still time for intervention and to change and there's a lot of things that happen in that time where they might look like they're going down that avenue but then things kind of change during their formative years and then they're not. So you're not going to accuse someone of being a narcissist if they're under 18. But that's kind of, it looks like where it starts. Now, there's no proof on a cause However, they do believe that a lot of it does come from the parenting style and the way that child was raised. Now, there are sort of genetic and environmental factors that, you know, play a role in it. So if your parents were both a certain way genetically, you might be predisposed to carry on a similar similar personality traits. But in the parenting styles what they think there's two there's two extremes and it's it often is with a lot of issues with children it's when you've got the extremes of parenting so one is the parents that are 
overly protective, like super protective, making that child feel that they can't step left or step right or, you know, something's going to happen. The parents are freaking out about everything because then what happens is the parents are making that child believe that because they're so overprotected and they're so special and they're so unique. And so this child starts thinking, well, why am I the only one that's being treated this way and no one else is and I'm so special and I need to be. So that's one way that they found that if the parents are like in ex- like excessively overprotective, that's not healthy. And then, of course, neglect, abuse and trauma is another really big way of causing that child to go down that path. Um, that kind of goes without saying when you neglect a child or you abuse them or you expose them to trauma, uh, you know, there's a whole myriad of things that can occur in that child's upbringing after that. So I don't even need to get into that, but that's why that's where they think it kind of begins and then it kind of develops from there onwards. So that's just a quick overview of narcissistic personality disorder, where it stems from kind of what we think we know about it from now on until the rest of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about how to deal with toxic and narcissistic people in your life. So like I said, there are specific traits to a narcissist and then there's toxic people and I'm going to group them all together and how to deal with toxic people in your life moving forward. So as you know, my number one thing is whenever possible, cut them out of your life. End of story. Don't make excuses for them. Just focus on you and cut them out. If they then want to change, that's on them and then it's their responsibility to find a way back into your life by doing the right thing. But that's not on you and it is not your responsibility to change them because people are very unlikely, if at all likely, to change when it's coming from someone else, when someone else is requesting that they do so. That's just not going to fucking happen ever. That's the same with like when you try and change someone in a relationship and they change temporarily and then like their old self is bursting to get out because they've really just suppressed who they are. And then you know, things start falling apart in the relationship and they ended up resenting the person that was trying to change them because they're like, that's not me. Change can only come from within. At the end of the day, no matter what the drive, no matter what the reason, change must come from within. Okay, so now let's go into when you actually have to have this person in your life. The number one thing that you need to do is you need to stop acknowledging that person's reality as your reality. So someone who is toxic and a narcissist, is going to make you feel shit about yourself. They have to be better than you. They have to see you below them for them to feel good. Someone who is a bully, who's trying to manipulate you, their number one priority is to get you to see them as superior. That's it. That is their drive. That's what they're looking for. So you need to stop acknowledging their reality as your reality. Their reality is not a representation of of the truth. So with that comes them thinking that you are, you know, less or, you know, insignificant. Them accusing you of doing something or being a certain kind of person or having this personality trait. You've got to understand that what they say about you, whether it's to your face or behind your back, is not reality and stop putting their reality above yours. If you start giving their reality airtime, it's because a fraction of you agrees or is fearful that other people are going to agree. So, for example, if someone said to you, like accused you saying, you know, I think you um, I think you actually morph into a mermaid at night and I'm going to spread that rumor. Everyone's going to know about it. Would you lose sleep at night about that? No, you'd be like, that's 
fucking do what you need to do. I don't care. That's fucking weird. And you'd just be on your merry way. You wouldn't really give a fuck. However, if someone – that's because you know it's just outrageous. It's not a believable thing. They're being fucking ridiculous. You don't have time for them. You're like, whatever. That's how you want to behave towards anything that they're going to accuse you of in the future. I don't care who it is that they're talking to. Because if it's any true friend or any good relative that's a close friend of yours – they will know who you are and they will understand that you didn't do it. And if they had a doubt thinking that you did what someone accused you of doing and they are a good friend, they would approach you about it and then you would have an opportunity to speak. So the, the concept of someone making up shit behind your back, unfortunately, is none of your business because there might be people that are doing that currently and you just don't know about it. So it's none of your business. It doesn't matter. And that's the number one thing you have to come to terms with. Stop acknowledging their reality as the truth or as your reality. It is done. From now on, you're not giving that any more um, attention. Now, secondly, you have to find someone else to rely on. You are no longer going to approach this toxic person ever again about a personal issue, ever. Because I'm all for being vulnerable and open And, you know, I'm all for that, but not with a toxic person, because when you are vulnerable, you are letting someone into your life. This is how you strengthen connections with people. This is where real relationships are formed. A relationship with a toxic person is not a legitimate relationship. That's, that's, it's a power imbalance and one that you should not play into ever, whenever possible. So you need to, if ever you have an issue especially if it's not related to your relationship with that person in any way, shape or form, you need to find a new support person or network. I don't care how much this person understands about you or how much they know you or how they used to be your backbone in the past. I don't give a fuck. If they are toxic, from now on, they are not going to be the person that you go to in a moment of crisis or in a time when you need a shoulder to cry on ever again. Find a new person, find a new inner circle. It is not them. For example, I've got a good friend of mine and she has actually a good relationship with her parents. But here's a prime example of someone that's like people that are not narcissists and not even necessarily toxic, but she's got a great relationship with her parents in general. However, every time she's going through something difficult or like a moment of like a minor life crisis or something where she's like just feeling quite anxious and flustered, if she calls, whether it's her mother or her father, their response is to be like, oh, why did you do that? Or, well, you know, I'm not surprised that this has happened because, you know, look at your behavior leading up to it. Oh, well, you know, maybe you need to change this. and change. They're just not a good calming support in the time that she needs it. So while the stuff that they're saying might not be awful, but they're just triggering an even greater anxiety response in her. And I said to her, I'm like, Yes, they're great people. Yes, you have a good relationship, but stop reaching out to your parents in moments of crisis or moments of need where your anxiety is heightened. So I think you can apply this rule to many different situations in your life. Like what are the people that when you're most anxious have been there to calm you down and bring you down from that cliff? And what are the people that are going to be like, ha, see, I told you so. Well, I'm not surprised. Oh, fucking, you know, that's concerning that you're going to do, that you've been doing that. That's, you know... Oh, I'm not impressed and like all this shit, you know. So even if the person's not toxic, I think you need to understand who's going to be like your person to rely on when you need them most and who you're going to really be opening up to. Normally it's going to be you've got to think about this with toxic people, but this kind of applies to many different scenarios. The third thing you're going to do is don't resist. So you need to learn how to stand your ground without resisting. 
So, for example, you now know as a fact that these people are going to try and instigate an argument because, like I said in this podcast and in the last one, their aim is to be superior and a really good way for them to do it because they're quite um, they can be quite aggressive, toxic and narcissistic people. So, their aim is to be superior and a really good way of doing it, that for them is um, by starting an argument, especially when they are driven by conflict and when the person that they're arguing with is not driven by conflict. So that is a big the, – the power is very much swayed in their favour if they're trying to have an argument with someone that does not enjoy conflict because the person that doesn't like conflict is a lot more likely to – settle the argument or kind of let them have their way or tell them that they're right because they, they don't want an argument. They'll, they'll engage at the beginning and then they'll realize that it's getting really heated and quite aggressive and quite hurtful. So then they'll retract, retract, retract. And this is the ideal scenario for these kinds of people. So you need to learn how to not resist. It's kind of like, I'm not saying cop the shit. You're standing your ground and you're allowing them to say whatever they want to say but you're not going to push back on it because by pushing back, you are returning the energy and then they're going to return it back to you. Then you return the energy, they return it back to you. It's, this is not a tennis match, okay? You're going to let them throw that ball and that ball's going to bounce straight past you. Then they're going to throw another ball and it's going to, and then eventually it's going to get a little bit annoying where that ball is never being returned. So you've got to look at it as say, say they're trying to start an argument and they accuse you of doing something. This is when you say, yeah, look, I don't think I did that. But if that's what you think, I'm not going to argue. Like that, that's, you really kind of simmer it down, simmer it down, simmer it down. Let them be right. Who cares? But the main thing that you're going to show them is that no matter what they throw at you, A, you're not going to lose your cool. And B, you're not going to straight up agree with them. The most you're going to do to agree is saying that could be right. Yeah, you may be right. There, that's a possibility. And if they like push and push and push and push for you to say, no, you are right. Just say, look, I don't really remember, but maybe you're right. Anything's possible, you know? So if they accuse you of saying, you know, um, you disrespected me when you said that, that was really disrespectful, your tone. And you say, oh, I really don't think I used a disrespectful tone. But I mean, if you interpreted that way, then, then I guess it was. You know, but that's not that wasn't my intention. But I understand that you might have interpreted it that way, and then it it came across that way. Don't apologize, but give them the benefit of the doubt. Always give them the benefit of the doubt because that shows that a you haven't lost faith in yourself, which is going to weaken their stance. And what happens if you continue to stand your ground as being like, I don't care what you say about me. You might feel that way, but it doesn't mean it's the truth. So you can still acknowledge to them that they feel that way. That doesn't mean it's right. So if someone says, I know you cheated on me, your response can be like, I understand that's what you think and I understand that you might have gathered that information somewhere. I know I haven't, but I get that, you know, that's now your opinion and it's not going to change. You're still acknowledging their opinion, but you're saying, I don't give a flying fuck about it. You know, you are entitled to think whatever you want to think about me. I'm not engaging. So that's what I mean about not resisting. You're not going to stand here and say, I didn't cheat. I didn't cheat. No. Just say, look, I know what I've done and what I haven't done. But I also understand that you're hell bent on believing that and there's absolutely clearly not much I can do to change your mind. That is how you're going to address it because what's going to happen? What happens in this situation? They realize, fuck, 
that person is more of a legitimate threat. So there's two things that's going to happen. They're either going to try and cut you out more from their life so they don't have to interact with someone because they understand that you're genuinely a strong personality, whereas they're a false strong personality. Or they're going to retaliate even harder initially, but not long term. So this might cause them to flare up even more, even more, even more. But you just give them the bare minimum, the bare minimum, not resisting, standing your ground, but in the calmest way possible. Don't agree or blatantly disagree with anything. It's all could be, yeah, maybe, or I understand you think that, or I can't be fucking gray and bland around them. Anything that's a stern statement for them, they perceive that as an argument. The only thing you're going to be 100% stern about is the fact that you're not wavering. You're not going to change your opinion, no matter what they say. So that's the one thing that they're going to say you stand your ground in. Anything that's got to do with their opinion, you don't care about standing your ground. You're going to show them that it doesn't matter to you, that what's so significant and important to heighten their sense of self is irrelevant to you. That's what you're going to do. The only thing that's of your concern is showing them that no matter what is said, you know who you are, you know you know, what you did and what you didn't do and you're not going to kind of crumble and give them what they want. It's just never going to happen from now onwards. From now onwards, you're just going to show them that anything goes, it's fine, I don't mind. I'm really comfortable with who I am but whatever. That's the, the kind of energy you're putting across. They are going to fucking hate that and then trying to try to deal with you less and less and less because they are not getting what they need from you which is admiration. They're not going to get that. Now, if you're in a situation where let's say that that person is the, the other parent of your children, I cannot stress this enough. Never speak poorly of the other parent to the children ever. Whether they're toxic, whether they're not toxic, don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. Because what you're failing to realize if you are a kind of person that does this is your child is 50% that person. No matter how mean they have been to you, you are literally, if the, 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 we're talking about a child here. So if your ex has been mean to you, they've been mean to you in an adult realm, in an adult arena. A child doesn't understand that. So to then go and sling shit on your ex, whether they're horrible or not, to your child is telling your child 50% of you and 50% where you came from is not good enough. And I'm going to, you know, sling shit on, on your other parent and I'm going to be doing that. You don't have to say anything nice about them. You just don't comment. The child, as they grow, will learn because children are very smart and very savvy and extremely switched on and especially when it comes to people in their lives. They can read their parents like a book. They're going to find out sooner or later. It might take them till their teens, but they will find out sooner or later that who, who the toxic one is and who's the one that wronged the other one. And when they find that out, the parent that was always civil and respectful and number one cared about the child and keeping the child in a safe space where they're not feeling that the other parent is being threatened by like or their, their character is being threatened by, by the parent, then they're going to respect you being like, wow, how fucking big of you that you didn't sling shit on the other parent, that you just focused on yourself and your relationship with your children. I can't stress on that enough. Also, if you have children with a toxic narcissist or just toxic person, you need to, as much as possible, 
limit the interaction you have with the other parent, but still have obviously enough interaction and make it only about the children. End of story. Only about the children. Don't ever comment on who that person's dating. Don't ever comment. Nothing. It's all about the children. That's it. So whenever possible, just learn to be the bigger person. Now, the fourth step that I'm going to talk about is learn to put yourself first in this situation. So when it comes to a normal relationship, you want to be factoring that person into a lot of your plans, your thoughts, the way you're going to speak to them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. With a toxic person, you want to think about yourself first. You're not there to empathize. You're not there to put yourself in that person's shoes. You're just there to understand what it is that they want to get out of the situation, which you know is to come out on top, to be superior, to be the winner. And then you've got to understand where you're coming from and what it is that you want out of the situation. Ideally, you want to get to a point where you don't need or want much from them. But if it's an employer or the father or mother of your children, then obviously there's going to be certain things that you're going to want and need from them. So it's all about that idea of not resisting, not engaging in an argument and just, um, yeah, just standing your ground calmly and peacefully. But when I say about putting yourself first, when you know that you're about to enter an interaction with this kind of person, just ask yourself this question, what advice would I give my best friend if he or she was walking into this scenario dealing with a toxic person that's caused them a lot of grief in their life? Because often we'll put up with a lot more bullshit than we would want our siblings or our friends to put up with. You know, when we see something that a friend is going through or the way they're being treated, I know with myself, like I can get really fired up and really upset and quite passionate. And it's like I'm trying to shake some sense into my friend being like, don't let them talk to you like that. Don't let them, you know. But you've got to learn to speak that way to yourself. So that's what I mean about putting yourself first. Just imagine how would I advise my friend, before they walked into this scenario and just try and take your advice. I know it's a lot harder because you'll always make excuses for yourself as to why your situation is different and unique. It's actually not different and unique. This happens all the time. This person is not special. This person is toxic and a psychopath and they're trying to get something from you by manipulating you. So it is not a unique scenario. Stop telling yourself that it's unique. You in this situation is not unique. This happens all the time. Learn how to deal with them. I'm not big on playing games, but in a situation where you're working against a manipulator, learn to play their game and outplay them. Now to wrap up these four points, I want to add on something at the end. And I think it's important that we kind of address this and that you get very clear on the concept of what is an abusive relationship. I'm not going to go into massive depth and this is probably something that I can go into in a different episode, but I did want you to realize that there is quite a gray area between someone who's toxic and narcissistic and someone who is abusive. And when I talk about abuse, that is verbal abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. No, I don't think that one form of abuse is worse than the other. It's, you know, like it's very every situation is quite unique when you are in an abusive relationship. So I'm not going to stand here and say that one is worse than the other because especially when I'm someone that's only been in an emotional and verbally abusive relationship twice, um, but I've not been in a physically abusive relationship. So that's not something that I can comment on. But what I can say is that all of them are something that can be, you know, linked to 
um, a toxic person, well, obviously an abusive person is toxic, but you might be in a relationship where someone's toxic and you don't deem it as abusive. Same with someone who's narcissistic. But I will say that there is a massive gray area here because a lot of the traits of someone of a narcissist, that is emotional abuse, same as someone that's toxic. So there is a gray area there. Um, and it's quite kind of quite hard to draw that line. But what I am saying is if you are feeling in a position where you are genuinely being abused or if you're not sure if it is abuse or not, number one, you need to find a safe person or place where you can voice this, number one. Obviously not the person that is doing the potential abusing or the abusing. My... My honest comment on this is if you think it's abuse, it's probably abuse. So this is something that you need to be speaking to someone about. If you don't have um, if you don't have a network of people where you feel comfortable talking to and if you don't have the financial means to speak to a professional about this, then I would actually seek there are a lot of forums online. You can even come onto my page. Um, my Facebook page of Do You Fucking Mind and voice it there. We've got a fucking epic community going on there. People that like no one is throwing shade and if has anyone thrown shade, I have removed them from the group. It's a very safe space. So that's another place where you can talk, you know, so that there's always going to be forums and if you don't want something that public, there's private forums as well where you can ask questions and talk about this. However, if you are, if you are aware that you are in an abusive relationship, there is absolutely no excuse for it. There is nothing you have done and there is absolutely nothing that can warrant someone abusing you. Absolutely nothing. So this is something that you have to be very clear on. I don't believe in coexisting with an abuser, especially if that abuser is not willing to change. So if you have a boss that is abusive, this is where you massively need to be reaching out to someone because they're going to keep doing it to you and if you feel that you can't leave because this is a career and it's going to damage your career, then they have a massive um, – they've got a lot of ammunition because they they can play that against you big time. If they know that you're never going to leave the job because you need it as a stepping stone in your career, then they're going to abuse the shit out of that situation and they can pretty much get anything or behave in any way to you because they are in their head infinitely superior to you if they can manipulate you in that way. If you're talking about an ex and someone is abusive to you, like I was saying, you don't need to be um, talking too much to the child about it. You've got to make the call if it's safe for the child to be in that environment. If it's someone that's more emotionally abusive to you and verbally abusive, then I would keep comms very, very limited and I would really ask for help from my family to be um, helping with, you know, the, the... the handover between the two. This is not something that you feel that you that you have to be in direct communication with the other parent. I would like to think that your friends and family can step the fuck up in a situation like this and really help you out because there are certain situations where you might feel that you were tied to this person for life, but if they are literally making your life a misery, then they can get fucked, okay? And they hopefully should be able to learn from this. But if that person is a narcissist, they will not learn from this. They're not going to change. If they have a different personality disorder or if they're just an asshole, then they might learn to change. 
there's things that can be done. There's interventions. With narcissists, I'm very skeptical. I'm all about changing personalities and changing your brain and whatever. But the issue with a narcissist is that to raise to them that they are a narcissist is probably the most insulting thing you can do. So it's very counterintuitive for a narcissist to even be self-aware enough to realize that they are a narcissist. That's why I'm saying that. So even though this whole episode has been about how to deal with toxic people and narcissistic people that are in your life that you can't cut out of, please be aware that you should never feel that you have to stay remotely, even if it's in a distant relationship with someone that is abusive. Those people don't deserve a second of your time. So please be aware of that. And if they are the parent of your child, keep it civil and get your support network to fucking rally behind you and help you out. So you have to have as little contact with this person as possible. That is my number one advice to you. Reach out to different communities, whether it's online. You'll be amazed at the amazing resources that are out there online and different communities and people that you think are total strangers that can actually have your fucking back. So this is extremely important and I understand that it takes way more than just a 10-minute segment in a podcast to cover, but I did just want to kind of touch on it because I don't want people thinking that here I am advocating to be like, learn how to have this abuser in your life. I have no tolerance for that and I understand that it is a massive grey line between um a toxic person and an abusive person and that is a fucking gray area so but the way I look at it is for example I have had toxic friends in my life but I haven't considered myself abused by them if that makes sense I've thought that it's like I said it's a gray area it's hard to kind of comment but I feel that you would know deep down what you're dealing with and hopefully you can start to wrap your head around making some decisions and some changes about these relationships in your life and don't ever think that you are stuck or cornered you'll be surprised how many people have been in these situations it just takes you reaching out and starting to talk about it I can't urge I can't sort of press impress upon that enough because with me when I've been in these situations where I've been in a relationship that's been abusive verbally and emotionally I have not been able to speak about it much when I was in the relationship I didn't want to talk about it much because I felt that I had chosen to be with that person and I really wanted it to work and if I was to open my mouth and talk about what was going on behind closed doors then everyone's opinion of that person would change and I myself had kind of a different perspective on who I was dating so I didn't really want to talk about it and that's coming from someone who and I think I've spoken about this many times that's coming from someone who has an I have an amazing support network It is no reflection on the people in my life because the people in my life have been incredible support and I'm so close to them. So if someone, as an example like me, who has this crazy support network who's super tight, even I felt that I couldn't voice what was going on behind closed doors in both these relationships. That's scary to think where someone or what someone is feeling when they don't have a support network. Like that that really makes my blood boil. Like there are a lot of things that might piss me off and annoy me, but there's very few things in my life that actually make my blood boil. And that is one of them. The scary kind of notion that there are people out there that feel that they have no support network or that have a support network that just feel like they can't talk about it because they've been emotionally abused to the extent that they feel that they're never going to get someone as good as the person they're dating, even though the person is an abuser. So they don't want to say anything bad about this person because it can risk the chances of their family and friends liking this person in the future. So they want to save face on behalf of their partner. I did that and I understand, and I know that other people do that. I know it. 
the amount of times that I suffered that I couldn't tell anyone about. Like awful fights, awful situations that I would probably voice maybe a tenth of what was going on behind closed doors because I just didn't want to ruin people's opinion of my partner because I saw myself being with that partner forever and I didn't want people thinking I was an idiot, let alone the fact that I was well aware that I was suffering. You know, so this is a, this is a huge deal and it's something that honestly, this is a fucking rabbit hole because it's scary how many people, if I voice it, do you know how many people send me DMs telling me about the fact that they've been in an abusive relationship or are currently in one? It's just, it's rampant and I can guarantee you right now that you know someone who you think is in a healthy relationship but it is not a healthy relationship and they're being abused right now, verbally, emotionally or physically. So... This is something that you've got to keep an eye out for. I would really advise you to kind of look for warning signs in your inner circle and outer circle, in fucking anyone that you know, to see if they might be going through something like this. Never judge. When someone talks to you about them being in an abusive relationship, the, the worst thing you can do is to sling absolute shit on that person. To be like, they're fucked, they're a fucking asshole, they're fucked, they're fucked. Because if that person has opened up to you and all you do is talk about how fucked and stupid and awful the person that they're dating is, number one, they might not be ready to exit the relationship. And so, number two, you've confirmed exactly what they thought that would happen. You've confirmed it. They don't want everyone to hate this person that they're dating and what, what have you done? You've shown that you're going to blow up and hate this person. I understand that you hate them. I hate them too. That's, that's fine. But the, your, your main fact isn't to vent here and blow up about how much you hate that person. Your main responsibility here is to support that person, especially the closer they are to you. The closer that person is to you, the more they're going to take on board what you say and the more it's going to hurt them or affect them. So your job in this situation, if someone's opening up to you about being in an abusive situation, is to offer them support, number one. You can, of course, tell them that it's that behavior is unacceptable, that that's not normal, that that shouldn't occur in a relationship. You can say all these things, but try and avoid character assassinating their partner unless they have broken up and they're definitely not going back. Do you know what I mean? And even then, it's still insulting because at the end of the day, the person that's been in an abusive relationship chose to date that person so there's only so many times that someone wants to hear that their abusive ex was a fucking idiot so dumb oh my god I could have seen it coming do you know how insulting it was to me when people would say to my face oh yep I saw it coming all along Steve was a fucking psycho I I knew it all along it's like cheers cunt for telling me that you saw this all along where are these clear warning signs that I didn't see now I feel like an idiot so stop making the person that is being abused feel even more of an idiot because I can tell you right now when you're in a situation like that your self-esteem is shot to pieces so I don't fucking need someone telling me that I've made a really fucked decision and that it was very fucking clear that that person was cooked you know your pride and your you know like oh good on you what do you want me to do give you a fucking medal for seeing before everyone else that the person I was dating was toxic no one wants to hear your bullshit stop making it about you don't make it about you That's another thing that fucking boils my blood. When people are not the victim in the situation, but they go and turn around to the victim and be like, oh, I saw it coming all along. Oh, I knew he was an asshole. Oh, I could could, could have told you that. Well, then why didn't you? So shut the fuck up. If you're one of those people, change that immediately or just fucking stop listening to my podcast because there is nothing worse. That is, you're literally contributing to the abuse. Okay? Don't do that. Right, now, here's my big meltdown blow up about abusive relationships. That could go on for an eternity. 
but I just really wanted to make that clear. You've got to be the support for someone that's being abused. If you think you're in that situation, you need to reach out to a support network. You might find it more comfortable reaching out to people, there'd be forums online for sure, that have been abused as well because they're going to be a much better support network than someone that has no concept in a lot of cases. So that pretty much covers everything today. Guys who are doing mindset hacks, because I already did give you the kind of scripts and everything of how to speak to toxic narcissistic people in your life. The topic of mindset hacks this week is going to be about um, learning how to raise your standards kind of across the board and how you're going to get certain things in life due to your ability to raise your standards and why it is that some people find something so easy to do and why other people find the same things as such a massive struggle. When you raise your standards something is no longer a struggle. It becomes part of your identity and who you are. So that's what this whole thing is all about and how to kind of implement these new things and make them part of your new lifestyle change, your new standard. So yes, very exciting times. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please join the Facebook group and there's a lot of people wanting to do meetups and stuff in the cities that they're in. I'm fucking loving this group. So it's just do you fucking mind with Alexis Fernandez on Facebook. Please continue to share the podcast. You guys are absolutely killing it with it. And I just, I'm so grateful that you guys are sharing it, rating, reviewing it. That really helps keep the podcast, you know, visible in the charts and all of that. So I really do appreciate all the effort and work that you guys do to kind of spread the love and spread the word of the podcast. So thank you so much, my angel beans. Um, Have an amazing week, guys. And I will speak to you next week about a topic that I'm sure I will decide on very soon. So guys, thank you again. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to everyone else. Be kind to your brain and have an amazing week. Danke.